Come, linger, and join the conversation as we sit at the feet of Rabbi Jesus in the upper room. In this upper room conversation, Brian and Giles discuss people in the Bible who went to the wilderness, described as Eremos, a place to meet God. Welcome back to another week in the upper room, and thanks for joining the conversation. This is Brian, and as usual, sitting across from me is Giles. It's great to be here, Brian. Hey, man. Uh, boy, these terms keep coming up. Uh, it's been a lot of fun unpacking things like koinonia and even getting into other conversations about um, what we have done to get to this place that we are. And we've led up now to a point of where are we? And what is going on? And how did we? What what other term did we stumble upon in the in the scriptures that would help us to define what we were experiencing? As we were thinking about koinonia and all the different aspects of it, one of the aspects obviously was the place. And when we found this centerline property we really felt that we wanted it to be a place where people could come retreat to and really have it as a place where they could meet God. So we went to the Greek and we saw what the scriptures say about places to meet God. And we came up with this incredible term, Eremos, which uh, in the Greek means the desert place or a deserted place or an abandoned place. The wilderness is probably the closest definition there. Um, but as we, but in Scripture, it is in this place that we see all of these places where people meet God and the purposes of how that played out uh, for them in their relationship with God. So we said, well, we sort of live on this property now that's in the wilderness, and uh, we really want it to be this place to meet God. So we knew this, so we found this term Eremos, and then we really started digging into it, and it got really pretty exciting. It was really, really neat. And I think, too, even as I'm going back through it, after having recorded our Upper Room conversation about why we named the podcast The Upper Room, I think that as we go through this, our listeners are going to find that there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of connection with The Upper Room idea for the name of the podcast and Eremos, this idea of the wilderness and this place that we that we live that is this nearly four-acre plot in the middle of hundreds of acres of farmland that we hope defines gets to play that role for for us. It is playing that role for us for certain, but I can't wait to for COVID to lift and we can start really inviting people in to experience the Eremos down here as well. Richard Foster talks about, you know, the age that we live in. And he says, you know, if he had to give it a name, he'd say it was the age of distraction. And so when we were thinking about this property as well, we really wanted to say, what can we do or what kind of place could we possibly create, which would be a place where people could get away from the distractions, uh, the distractions of busy life, the distractions of 
social media, their phones even, and a place where they could really go and meet God because we know it's a real need. And for all of you listening, I'm sure this is sometimes the hardest thing for you to figure out is how can I get myself away from the distraction? But as we share here about Eremos and we share the scripture that is the foundation for it, I hope that it's an encouragement for you to understand that going into the wilderness or going to a place where you're not going to be distracted so that you can meet God will actually help you define so many things in your life. And it is really worthwhile to do. It is not wasted time. It is not an awa- a wasted event. And coming out to the wilderness for a purpose of seeking God will actually really bring incredible gifts to your life. And if we're, if we're to be disciples of Jesus, that means we're going to watch him as we read through the Gospels, and we're going to watch him, and we're going to investigate every little move that he made. And it just so happens that this going out into the wilderness to pray was a very frequent event for Jesus, and I think that it's important for us to pay attention to that as well. Absolutely. And the fact that it's mentioned so many times. Over and over. When we read scripture, sometimes we see things that are mentioned one time. But this going out and going to pray and going out to the wilderness in relationship to Jesus was a common occurrence, which if it was written down and viewed as so critical, what does that actually mean to us? Do we actually think of those things as a method of his ministry and a method of the way he was leading the individuals that he was discipling and modeling a behavior about how do you set up your day? How do you get ready for your day? And he would go away to the wilderness, to the deserted place, to the mountaintop, all of these things into these deserted areas. And it was the Eremos. And so as we share today about Eremos, as you're hearing these scriptures and as we're walking you sort of through the narrative of scripture in regards to Eremos, I want you to start to imagine and start to determine where is your Eremos place? Where is your Eremos place going to be? You know, we're, we're planning to have like a physical set it up kind of thing, but we also have these personal Eremos places that are so necessary for us as we're trying to disciple others, as we're trying to grow in our own walk with Christ. So it's just something I want all of you to be thinking about and praying about. And where is this Eremos place for you? Well, and I think this first topic that we want to touch on is critical because we hear it a lot with young people, but I even heard it from my discipleship group today in a text. And it is that the wilderness, this Eremos, is a place where you can find your purpose. And we find a number of scriptural evidences of this, and it's just interesting to watch, hear and listen and watch people struggle with, what is my purpose in this world? And maybe that's a great question to be asking, but maybe the first question that we need to ask is, have you gotten away from the hustle and bustle of things in order to go out and receive your purpose as evidence that we see in both the New and 
the Old Testament? So I'm going to start with the Old Testament, and then Brian's going to share some in the New Testament about this. Um, but in the Old Testament, we can see the story of Moses. And all of you, I'm sure, in your Sunday school classes at some point have heard about the burning bush. But it was actually at that time that Moses was out in the wilderness, and he was uh, with the flock. So this is in Exodus 3, 1 through 10. Moses saw that there was a bush on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way of the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Yeah, it's outstanding. And, you know, they're early on. You know, he, he's in the flock, and it says the far he, he, was, he led the flock, to the far side of the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb. And then later on, just all the others, so now go. So it was out there in the wilderness. God chose a specific time and a specific place to meet with him when all the other distractions had been left far behind. This was Moses' purpose. Yep. His whole rest of his life was dedicated to going to Egypt to being in front of Pharaoh, to freeing the uh, Israelite slaves, to 40 years in the desert, to bringing the Israelites all the way to the uh, Jordan River. And it was all in this place where God has this conversation where he starts it with, I've met you in this wilderness place, go. Right, his purpose. You know, um, Jesus... Also, um, another, you know, these other examples back, you know, in Matthew chapter four, again, if you've been in in any Sunday school class ever, you've heard about Jesus being taken out and being tempted by the devil, but you may have skipped over the words that says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he became very hungry. He was physically weak. And it is from there that Jesus then leaves and it launches him into his public ministry. So he went out there. He faced the temptation that he had to face. And and one of the versions of this in the Bible actually says he that when the, when the devil had finished tempting him with everything... Like it wasn't just these three temptations. He he hit him hard for 40 days and 40 nights. And it was says that when the devil was done with everything 
that that was when he left him, and that was when Jesus received his purpose. I got it. Now I'm going and to go get the job done. And then we see it later in Mark 1, 35, 39. So it says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went to find him. When they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. This has happened um, right after Jesus has been doing all kinds of healings. But Jesus replied, We must go on to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So even though Jesus had been healing people and these things are important, but he knew he had even this greater purpose of laying down his life for the salvation of the world, of preaching who he was, of discipling and creating a movement of disciple makers that would love and live and breathe relationship with, with, every, with people. And so he traveled to these other regions and he began preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So Jesus went out multiple times through Scripture. He had his main purpose, but then even just in his daily purpose, he would go and be with the Father out in the wilderness. Such an awesome example by the Savior, by the Messiah. And how does that speak to us as we were asking all of you about your Eremos place? And you know that upper room as well, the other conversation is, where do you do that? Where do you... Where do you find that? I know for me, Giles, um, you know, one of the places is just outdoor, just the outdoors. And I find myself uh, hunting is, is an example where, you know, some people might have trouble sitting in a tree stand for hours and hours at a time. And my wife asks, you know, like, don't you have to go to the bathroom? And somehow, some way, I'm completely sustained and comfortable and there in this perfectly quiet place. And even my son in today's world of cell phones and constant, constant distraction for teenagers will tell you how peaceful it is, you know, sitting in a tree stand, sitting in a ground line and just waiting for a deer to come along. And that, you know, that's one for me. And another one that comes to mind is, you know, my wife and I are, you know, headed to the Smoky Mountains tomorrow. And that place has become... A, just a place of refuge and a place of escape and, and not, not escape. That's not the right word. It's really a place of, of recharging. And I think doing all of these things, you know, and so as I go, I, I go with anticipation that Jesus is going to reveal to me that, you know, that God's going to reveal to me this next layer of my purpose that he wants me, that I may be missing right now. Brian, you know, my heart for, disciple making and you know the toll it takes on all both of us in regards to first of all the emotional of sitting in a place with people the time effort of and just relationships are very draining and before i really began to think about and i'm an extrovert and i know that i you know i can run sometimes on fumes but this reality about needing to get away to the Eremos, needing to get away to the wilderness, the solita solitary place, um, to spend time with God. As I began to lean into that and spend more and more time trying, you know, investing some time, some actual active time, and to be intentional about going and do that, it is now one of the most precious times for me. And this is from an extrovert 
who by my nature, I would say, well, I like to be around other people, but I have grown to appreciate this intense time that I get to spend when I'm out. And like Brian, I like being out in nature and walking. But to, to me, it's a time of incredible worship opportunity. It's a time of just clarity with God and to just sort of dwell on his word and what he's trying to share with me. I now realize as I have done this more and more that this is not something that I can, that I want to easily get, like relinquish. I want to do this. I, I know I need to do this and I will actively just make a decision. Hey, I'm going to do this because I now realize how critical it is for that to spend that time in that place of solitude. And this is beyond even my time of solitude in the morning or scripture. This is that dedicated, deep abiding time with uh, Christ, with God out in the wilderness in in the Eremos. So let me ask you a question. Was there ever a time when you could have pictured yourself living in an urban setting or even in a downtown like a Franklin where we live in a downtown setting among all of the hustle and bustle of that kind of living? Yes. And many of you don't know my story about spending three years in Kenya working in <laughs> probably one of the most packed areas, the Mathari, Mathari Valley slums, where um, more than a million people live in a mile and a half um, long and a half mile wide space. So I mean, it's just packed. Uh, and so there was always somebody around, always somebody doing these things. And totally, I have that draw to be with the people, which I know Jesus had that too. He really had that draw to be with his disciples and to be with the people. But as I've matured and I've continued to grow in my spirituality, whether it be in it, if I was, God called me to that inner city place or into that busy hustle and bustle. Thankfully, I've been having this wonderful opportunity of where God has put us right now to really begin to understand the benefits of the solitude and the benefit of spending this kind of intentional, um, life-giving, purpose-showing place out there in the wilderness with God without all the distractions because... Um, distractions. We just live in a world of distractions. It's uh, it's great to be able to walk out the back door and just kind of disappear, whether it's down by the creek or out in the back pasture where you can't even hear the cars on the road anymore. Um, you know, we've had a number of teenagers over here, and you know that we'd have you know fifteen or twenty teenagers over in the fall and outdoors. And not one of them on their phone. The only thing they used their phone for was a flashlight being out there after dark. And it's just such a great place. And and I think too, it's I'm just I feel spoiled that we get to live here and we can just walk out that back door and and God will immediately jump into that conversation and help us define that purpose and remind us of that purpose of why we're here and why we're doing what we're doing. So, Brian, I want to share a little bit more about um, this definition of Eremos and this wilderness in Scripture that we see because purpose is a really big one, right? But there's so many other things that happen in Scripture. 
in this wilderness, in this Eremos. And I'm going to also give really quickly just the uh, Hebrew word, uh, because in the Old Testament, it would have been the word that would be used, and that's uh, Erebah, and that's used several times in the Old Testament, and its translation then into the Greek is Eremos. But I wanted to just quickly say that, so if you guys are doing some research and looking these things up, those are the terms you're going to want to look at. But another thing that's so critical, and I was just talking about being an extrovert, is the wilderness is also a place um, that we can go to actually evaluate our relationships. And for what we're doing here, that actually consists of the big question sometimes for us is, who are we going to disciple? And I'm going to have Brian share the scripture because Jesus actually (laughs) had this exact same you know, had to had to resolve this exact same thing. Yeah, in uh, Luke chapter six, verses twelve and thirteen. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up to a mountain to pray. And again, this that word mountain, oftentimes associated with wilderness, barren place, deserted place. It's a quiet place away from the hustle and bustle of life. And he prayed to God all night. And at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples, and he chose twelve of them to pour into and become apostles. And so there it is, is that while he was meeting God, meeting the Father that night, God revealed to him who those were that he was supposed to be in that tight relationship with. And do we ask even those questions, number one, but do we put all of the relationships that we're in under under the thing of asking God about those? Right, because I know I think about my own life. How many times I've been careless about? I just get into a relationship, or just spend time with someone, or even I try to speak truth into someone without going to the Father first. And as we think about how are we sharing the gospel, how are we um, in our workplace, or in our ministry, or in our day to day, even in our family, going to the father in that wilderness place, spending some active time actually asking him for discernment about which relationships we're supposed to be pouring into and how much in each one of those relationships. Well, and keep in mind, keep in mind here too. And and around here, we talk, we talk often about the, um, the 72, 12 and three model that Jesus modeled for us and how, there was there was the, there was the seventy or the or seventy two at time there was a seventy approximately that were sent out you know to go by themselves um, there were the then here right here we have the calling of the twelve but then we also know from scripture that there were three that were in the inner inner circle and you know we all can be we can really be spread too thin and we really need to be strategic about. Who, who these people are that God's calling us to to pour into. And, and I know we've both had some experiences recently with opportunities where relationships may have had to kind of take, take some back burner. Maybe not forever, maybe not forever, but for a time that this needs to be the focus. And I think that's okay. We need to trust God in these things and these relationships. And trust that he's bigger too. Because sometimes I know for myself, again, going back to 
this nature of being outgoing and that God has gifted me, I know, in that area. But I can take that and run with it mm-hmm. and go beyond where God wants me to go. And a lot of times it comes down to a question of, do I trust God in that person's life? If God is telling me no, and I've gone and heard this out in the wilderness, then I can honor that and say, I'll be obedient to that. And I trust you with this individual. It doesn't change. And I want to clarify this for all of you. This doesn't change my concern, my love, my care for an individual. This is just God saying, I have you very specifically in these relationships at this time for the purpose that I am fulfilling in you. But I wouldn't know these things, and Brian wouldn't know these things if we didn't actually go and spend time with God and ask these questions. So we hope as we're going through these things and sharing with you what was happening in the wilderness, you can also take it as a method of these are the kind of things that I can actually go and talk to with God about because I've already seen them faithful in Scripture. Right. And I think even the order in which we we brought this up with your purpose being first and foremost this and i think and again that question is always on the table right what is my purpose and for a time it is um it is to for me at least you know there's a there's a a financial provider piece that is this time period that now it doesn't excuse me from this second one of going out and making disciples it doesn't excuse me from that but it does Definitely, but it's on that table. And so when I'm out, when I'm out and I'm asking that question, okay, God, what's my purpose? Are we good here? Are we good with where we're at? And have we moved on to a new thing, you and I? And and then once you get that purpose, now he then moves you into the relationships because whatever season I'm in, it's never meant just for me. And again, here's the model of Jesus, right? Both in the Mark scripture and in the Luke scripture. His connection with the Father in the wilderness was not just meant for him, it was meant for others. So, you know, we have purpose. We have this uh, question in in regards to the evaluation of relationships. (laughs) And I'll tell you one thing, with purpose and relationships, you're probably going to run into some uh, concerns (laughs) and some areas where you're going to struggle. And because... Even if God is pushing you into a place and saying, be in a relationship with this person, here's your purpose in this situation. We're dealing in, we live in a broken world. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to have this wilderness place, this Eremos place is actually a place where we can go to God with our concerns. Yeah. And, um, and I think to not just to take our concerns, but then when we take them, it's oftentimes in that wilderness that he's going to help restore our hope in right. whatever it is, in our our hope and our purpose because let's face it when when it's concerns it's our hope that's kind of in the limelight first kings 19 verses 11 through 18 go out and stand before me on the mountain the lord told elijah and as he stood there the lord passed by and again, here's another one of those another one of those Bible stories, right? But but we miss we miss go and stand before me on the mountain. You know, he's out in the wilderness. He's out. Elijah is out in a deserted place, and the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain, such a terrible blast that rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And then there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in an earthquake. 
And then there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of a cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. So here's the concern, right? Elijah's struggling. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you and torn down all your altars and killed every one of your prophets. And I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. And so, man, Elijah is just pouring it out. And the Lord tells him, go back the same way that you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Mahoah. This is why Giles gave me this one. To replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Heziel will be killed by Jehu, and the people who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000, the remnant, 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. So, man, there's there's a lot going on here in the wilderness. Well, I tell you, you touched on it right before you started reading that, which was almost this, like, line of events, right? So he's going out there. First of all, what we find out is that God in the wilderness, and this is critical, why do we need to remove ourselves from the distractions and go into the wilderness? Is because God speaks in a whisper. So this, and this says it right here in Scripture. So we're not talking about, like, how does God speak and drawing up some conclusions? No, they actually run through all of these scenarios of loud noises and God is not in any of those things. And it is not till he's whispering. And Brian and I were talking about this earlier this week. How intimate is a whisper? Right. Right. And how close does someone have to be to you to whisper? Now I'm not an expert whisperer because I'm very loud, <laughs> but that's such a private affair. And so when we're talking about, purpose and relationships and hope. Um, God is like saying, I want you to draw really close to me so you can hear me and hear my voice. And then, you know, as we're running down, we see the concerns in regards to what the relationships that Elijah is and his purpose and his purpose. purpose. He knew what he was supposed to be doing. And his concern of his purpose, right? So it's all like sort of lined up in there and he sort of even repeats it back to God. And then God says, hey, you know what? I'm with you. And he reignites his purpose within him. He gives him that hope. He listens to his concern. It doesn't, but he says, hey, I got the next steps for you. You know, you may have found yourself in this place. And it's not like God wasn't aware of the situation, but he had already had this whole plan lined out for, here's what I have for you. And it's just such a great... Yeah, story just sort of wrapping all of these ones we've been talking about up into like, here's a whole example of how it goes. And I'm going to share now, you know, Jesus had some concerns himself. You know, he's divine, but he also has this nature of man. And so he's just like he was tempted, meaning if he was tempted, he had to actually struggle. Like you wouldn't use the word tempted if it was right. not anything that actually was a problem. Um, we see in Luke 22, 39 through 44, the scene we all know so well um, when Jesus is going out to the garden. And this garden, the term they use in there, 
for the Mount of Olives is also this solitary place. And the Mount of Olives is a place that Jesus would frequent to go and talk to the Father. So this was a place that he would go, but it was not a place that was, it was out in the wilderness. It was not in the city center. It was not in a place that was, you know, it took a little bit of effort to get out there. So he said to his disciples, he says, pray that you will not give into temptation. And then Jesus walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. So even here, he goes off by himself. He said, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And after this, we see that Jesus goes and fulfills his final purpose on that cross. Um, but he goes to God with his concern. He says, hey, if there's any other way, Lord, let your will be done in this situation. But, I, you know, you take this cup of suffering because there's suffering taking place. Then that angel appeared and it says it strengthened him. So we see God using that angel to give Jesus strength in that situation. So, so to, like Elijah received that strength from God. Um, and so then he prayed more fervently to the Father. And he was in a lot of agony, but he knew his purpose. And he knew what he was going to fulfill. And so even though it was a lot of pain and suffering in that moment, the joy that it would bring on the other side, um, God was giving him that out there in the, in the wilderness. And, of course, too, we have to think, and we say this all, all the time here in our, you know, at, at our, in our lunch meetings or co over coffee or whatever, that God didn't need the wilderness to meet with Jesus. He didn't need it. He could have met with him. He's God. He could have met with him however he chose to. So we have to pay attention to the actions of Jesus of going and meeting with him in the wilderness and in the solitary place in the Aramos. We have to pay attention to that as the, for the purpose of it and to follow that lead, that there must be something there. And in this one, um, this, this idea of, are you troubled? Are you, are you carrying a heavy burden? And are you struggling with the verse that says that his burden is light? So my question would be, well, have you put down the, th the things that are distracting you? Have you put them down? Are you, are you putting them down as a regular practice even to go and to seek and to search for the whisper or the angel of strengthening? Do we find ourselves even questioning sometimes as we see Jesus? Like, why are you going and spending that time out there? You can be healing, and you know this is what the people were saying. You can be healing people. You can be doing miracles. Judas was doing these kind of things all the time to him, saying, why are you wasting your time in these places or going out and doing praying? And how many times in our own uh, walks that we think we have to remain busy to be being fruitful or productive when God is saying, hey, by the way, do you think the wilderness was a place that was built for God? As Brian was sort of touching on yeah. it, or was it a place for us? Because God knew that we would be so distracted 
that he offered this area, this place for us to be able to go. And Jesus is showing us exactly how to do that. I, I read in a book a very interesting thing about um, Martin Luther. And his, he would say, the busier my day is, or the more things that I have on my plate, in the morning, I'm going to spend that many more hours with God. And we see Jesus doing that over and over in Scripture. So do we trust that Jesus probably knew what he was doing in regards to his schedule? And I mean, smartest guy, in the, smartest guy ever, right? So do we trust that he probably realized what time was and um, he was still in a human body, so he couldn't like control time in that way, but he showed the importance of doing this over and over and over again, of going and spending time with the Father. And as Brian said, it's not like, God couldn't just speak to him anywhere, but it was, Jesus is always living by example for his disciples, for people that would follow him, of how God wanted the law interpreted, about how God wanted man to be in relationship with him. And so, yeah, this is, these things we're seeing that this is such a critical thing and something i mean brian and i have just become more and more passionate about it because we're understanding the critical nature of getting away from the distractions going to the wilderness going to that eremos place so we can spend quality time with god without all those other things clouding our mind so that we can hear the whisper well and i think our wives, you know, we talk quite a bit about the girls um, on the show, and I think our wives have been a great example of this. That we have to be, we have to be on the lookout and help serve them and help them. But I know, I know my wife, and I know I've even heard the same things from Allison in terms of folks. Sometimes that can't be at your house. We we happen to be lucky. We happen to be lucky that we're out here in the middle of nowhere and there's farmland all around us. And hopefully we can get some more deer coming through here soon. But, you know, we're, we're pretty lucky that we can kind of wander out the backyard, but others, you know, that's why we bought this place. That's why we bought this place so that we could help model this and help show you our listeners that are in this, this battle against the world to find a place to come and unplug from it all. We, we were joking about have, getting a little safe or even just a lockbox or something that when people show up here that the, they lock their phones up, you know, for a time being and people would go, oh, no, well, oh, you know, I read my Bible on my phone. Well, we bought we bought some hardcover Bibles for you to have around too because we feel that strongly about it. And, uh, and I think Jesus is a great example that, you know, whenever he was tired from you know because it, it says that he he felt the power go out of him he felt the healing power go out of him and whenever he was tired whenever the crowds were pressing in whenever he had done a miracle or a number of miracles he always knew that to have energy for the next day he had to go take his concerns take his energy lack of energy take his rest to god and recharge his batteries with him so Brian's probably going to laugh at me because I pu- we work on putting together notes for our podcast, and I know I, I've been bad every single time. You know, we had Koinonia ended up being two podcasts. Uh, <laughs> we had Eremos. I know it's going to end up being at least two podcasts. 
because you know when I come in and I have five pages of notes and we're right now at page one and a half uh, and we're coming up to the end time on this podcast that it's going to be uh, a little bit more that we're going to be able to talk about but so I want to apologize first of all to you but the three things that we've talked about today in regards to what is that Eremos place and what how was that determined in scripture and what does God say it is I think are such a great way for us to be thinking about and conscious about this week and sort of praying about and figuring out those things about how Lord I need to go out so I can find my purpose Lord I need my hope restored Lord um, uh, I, w- I want to evaluate relationships in my life and we have so many more great ones that we want to share with you guys but I, I think it's a good time right now for us to sort of leave you there with those three for you to contemplate on and think about and you can all blame me for my copious amounts of notes that I take because I just get I just get so excited when I get into scripture that I, I was telling Brian I was like I can really just do this all the time uh, but um, we want to leave you with those three things right Brian I mean and I, I think you did such a great way of sort of tying them all together and that Elijah one especially so can you reread that verse that the Elijah one was on so that people can go and really look at that one. I think it was in Kings. Yeah, it was First Kings, chapter nineteen, verses eleven through eighteen. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, and crowd out the fire. There are no more fires to put out. There are no earthquakes going on. There are no emergencies that are greater than you. St- sitting and listening for the whisper. Mm. Invite him in close. Find him in the whisper. He's not going to yell. He's not going to yell over the constant distraction in our world. He's not going to do it. It's got to be us disciplining ourselves to crowd out the noise. And it's there in the whisper that he is going to reveal to you your name. He's going to reveal to you your purpose. He's going to reveal to you your people. And he's going to he's going to let you pour out your concerns and restore your hope. So next week, we will come back and we will visit the Eremos some more. Uh, as always, thanks for the conversation, Giles. Thanks, Brian.